0: Welcome to Getting Through It, where we're here to help you get through it. I'm John Bwery, and as always, I'm with the community-focused Dr. Lucy Jones. We'd like to thank our supporters who help underwrite each episode of Getting Through It as part of Lucy's nonprofit Center for Science and Society. Please consider sponsoring this podcast for as little as $5 per month. Simply go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and search Dr. Lucy Jones. Now let's get to it. So much of our work is around building resilience to the shocks and stressors our society faces. We know this ranges from earthquakes to wildfires to heat and even pandemic. Understanding and applying the science to these natural hazards is a foundation of building resilience. And the building block right on top of that is doing it with and for your community. After a disaster occurs, whether an immediate one, like the collapse of one building, or a long one, like a drought or pandemic, we look back and realize what choices could have been made that would have made the impact less. That's both before the event and in response to it. And what it always comes down to
1: is how people work together to apply the science. I would actually take this one step deeper. And one of the fundamentals of political science is we accept that the basic role of government is the protection of its people. We are willing to give up some individual liberty to be able to get the protection that comes from government. How this is defined varies and what the trade-off between protection of the group and the rights of the individuals is drawn at different places in different societies.
0: I mean, everyone has some level of acceptance that government rules and policies limit some of your rights for the good of all, like stopping at a stop sign or a red light when you come to an intersection and there's someone crossing the street, so you don't hit them. Or even if we go into our work around earthquakes and building codes, the building code prevents you from killing someone in an earthquake. That's what the code requires
1: of a builder. The question is, where do you draw that boundary between government protection of all versus individual rights? You know, if we look at the building code example, We have as a society said, you can build your building as weak as you want to, be a complete financial loss after the earthquake, but you can't kill somebody in the process. So the only role of government is what's called a life safety building code.
0: Because in America, we prize that individual part. We need a pretty good reason to let the government step in. Think about we're the land of rugged individualism, right? The idea that you can live and succeed totally self-reliant and independent from outside help. That's how we, you know, we quote conquered the American West. And there's even a Pew research study as recent as 2016 that says 73% of Americans believe success in life was determined by hard work rather than forces outside their control. Additionally, that same poll found that 58% of Americans valued a non-interventionalist government over one that actively worked to further the needs of the entire society.
1: America is sort of the epitome of the individualist society. There's a very interesting field called cross-cultural psychology that actually looks at the psychology shared within a culture and how that's different between different cultures. And one of the big differences is that relative weight that's given to the individual versus the community. And America is at the very individual extreme. And it actually makes sense when you think about how America came to be with the really notable exception of people who are descended from enslaved people, the rest of us are all descended from people who chose to leave their family, their clan, their community to better their own lives. So we are preferentially descended from the selfish people.
0: My great grandparents came over at the end of the 1800s, but I know Lucy, your family came over much earlier than that even.
1: I have one that's 1650 and a bunch of Welsh miners from the 19th century, they walked away from Wales and everything it provided because the mines were running out and they came over here to make a better life.
0: So we have this legacy or this heritage rather of how we got here. How does this play into resilience though? We know that the strongest component of your preparedness kit that we've always talked about is knowing your neighbors.
1: This seems to go beyond even that. I think the communitarian role of the government protecting its citizens is part of the whole disaster cycle, mitigation, response, and recovery. Response, we do pretty well that the suddenness of it overcomes our individual. We reach out and we help everybody. But when you look at mitigation, it is hard to make that decision to invest on something that might not happen in your lifetime that's sometimes off in the future. We know that building to withstand the expected extreme events, earthquakes or wind or rain, is very cost effective. We can look at how long it takes to have the damage happen. It's a really good investment. But some of the benefit accrues to people other than the owner, other than the person making that decision. Tenants that will not go out of business if the building has not destroyed, for instance. So it often needs government regulations to build as we should to protect everyone's investments. One of the issues is that we are so individualistic that we don't even know how to talk about the community good. Think about earthquake preparedness messages you've heard, what you need to do to protect your family. And then the professionals who give these messages are very frustrated at how many people don't listen. Or when we encourage getting vaccines, the message is you need to do this to keep yourself safe. And that seems like a completely individual decision to balance your personal safety against COVID versus the perceived problems with the vaccine. But of course, it's not just personal. We can see that if everyone were vaccinated or the overwhelming majority, deaths would go down. We could reopen the economy more fully without overloading our healthcare workers. And those healthcare workers could finally have time to breathe. There is a huge public benefit like that building that doesn't kill its inhabitants and can still be used, that accrues not to the one making the decision, but to others. Since this
0: is known through social science research, as you described the field of cross-cultural psychology, what does that same field of study tell us about how to communicate what appears to go against
1: our DNA? Well, there are other psychology studies that have clearly shown that even us rugged individualists like to be good people. We feel better about ourselves when we do good things for others. But in America, we seem to be afraid to make this as a public argument. Even when we say getting vaccinated reduces community spread, reduces the chances of creating an even worse variant, we still usually add the addendum, and that makes you safer. You know, how about just saying, get the vaccine to help your community?
0: We all can be safer because of individual actions done for the community as a whole. This is yet another way we can get through the next disaster, not alone, but together. We'll leave you there for now. And until next time, I'm John Bwery with Dr. Lucy Jones and you getting through it. Getting Through It is a production of the Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society. Visit us online to get past shows and become a sponsor at patreon.com. That's P A T R E O N dot com, and search Dr. Lucy Jones. Our music is performed by Josh Lee, and this closing music is written by our own Dr. Lucy Jones.